This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is the Red's Hot Stove League. The Red's Hot Stove League is brought to you by Holy Grail Banks and Santo Grah. Proud sponsors of the Red's Hot Stove League. Beacon Orthopedics and Sports Medicine. JTM. Let's create great dishes to get MSA Architects. And by Document Destruction, the official document shredding vendor of the Reds. The Red's Hot Stove League is also brought to you by... This might be the biggest crowd we've had here all year, well, Tom Brown. Well, I got a feeling there's a lot of Christmas parties and that kind of thing going on. Uh, met a couple guys in the back, and uh, and they've got their company Christmas outing here. So a pretty good night to do it. It's a beautiful day today. I mean, you're probably going to complain about it being cold, but it was a pretty nice day today. It was cold. I don't <laughs> care how much the sunshine. It was cold. The older you get, see, you haven't gotten there yet. But the older you get, the worse it is. You understand what I'm saying? I hear you, but I'm kind of liking the winter. Yeah. Well, today I, was awesome. I can tell you what you could do with this winter time, but I ain't doing that. Everybody seems to have one thing in common here, except for the youngsters. They've all decided to have a little holiday cheer. Yes. Is it right? Sherry, you all right? Well, she was pumping her fist up in the I air. I know she was. She was all excited. People feeding their faces, having some cheer. We're only a matter of days away from Christmas, so i got to assume that everybody's here tonight. Everything is locked down and solid. They know that Santa's coming, and they don't have to worry about a blasted thing. Everybody who's at that point now where everything is purchased, not necessarily wrapped, but purchased, raise your hand. Boy, that's a sad minority right there. Really sad. Now and I'm right with them. No, that I'm, didn't raise her hands. I'm in the minority. Yes. I'm in the minority. Yes. What we're going to do, in light of the fact we don't have a guest tonight, is we are going to invite those of you here, and if you have something to add to the program, over this side here, Mike Mills, with a microphone over here, or those who are listening to our broadcasts on the radio, and our number is 749-1360, if you had a wish list, hmm, if you had a wish list for what you'd like to see the Reds pick up, however they might be able to do it between now and the opening of the 2017 season, let us know what it is. Now, having said that, the caveat to all of this is let's be realistic. Let's don't say, well, we'd like to see you go out and trade from Mike Trout. Let's be realistic about it and realize you've got a small market club and by the general manager's own admission, we don't have any money. That's what Dick Williams said. So let's be realistic about what you might do in order to improve actually only two areas. 
and that is a bullpen, which as far as I'm concerned is still very, very poor right now, or the bench, which was the worst bench that I've seen in 43 years of broadcasting Reds baseball. And as we talk tonight, in this week, in a matter of days leading up to spring training, we are no closer now to having to say we've improved the bullpen or we've improved the bench because really nothing has taken place. Well, as it pertains to the bench, I think the one thing that's going to be interesting is, you know, does does some of the players or do some of the players that figure to be a factor coming up from the minor leagues this year, do they, based on the amount of playing time they're going to get, do they improve your bench by some of the players they're going to replace, i.e., okay, if Winker all of a sudden gets a chance to play regularly in the outfield. Right. Okay, on any given day, does that mean that Shebler now is a part of your bench? Well, you've improved your bench if that's the case, or vice versa. Shebler's in a lineup, Winker's with a big league club. We've talked about Peraza. We've talked a little bit about, not much about Herrera. And so as some of these other things begin to trickle down, is that where you're going to find improvement on the bench? How does a Brandon Phillips situation play out? How does the Cozart situation play out? Do Peraza and Herrera become regular players? Do you make the decision that if they're not regular players, they're still going to be a part of your team from the very beginning of the season, although you and I would both agree that probably stunts their growth quite a bit, young players not playing regularly. you agree? I agree with a lot of what you said, but I still maintain, and I, and I know people have heard me say it, and that is I'll go back to what Keith Hernandez said to me in 1987. You can't have a bunch of kids on your bench and expect to be successful. You have got to have a minimum of two players, for my money, who have some measure of a track record that can sit for a while and still contribute to your team, and that's a veteran player. Um, And if you don't do that, then I don't know that the bench is going to be any better than it was last year. I know it's not a big part of your team, but the one guy that I do think would immediately help this bench, and we saw him last year, Dad, and I think we both agree. And, and I don't care what's happened prior in his career, how many teams he was with, or has he gotten a chance to play regularly. But if you're just looking for somebody that I was very impressed with, Erie Barron coming off the bench can hit. That guy can hit. And he could hit a lot better than anybody else they were bringing off. Well, that he day. did. He did. There's so no then, question. so then, all of a sudden, though, but 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 now to take it a step further, if Mezzarocco's back, all right, now you've really improved your bench by Tucker Barnard. No question okay. at all about so, that. I agree with. I that. just wonder how some of that is going to affect the bench. But I think you and I are in full agreement, and everybody that followed the Reds last year, it was an entirely different team when they got the bullpen situation rectified with. Lorenzen and Iglesias down there on my wish list would be a guy like we talked about two weeks ago in Feliz. If you could bring a guy like him, if not exactly him, into the fold to enhance that bullpen and improve that bullpen. So now the sixth, the seventh, the eighth, or the ninth, along with a couple of guys you've already got there, because I do think Sengrani still has some value to this team. I really do. I know some people are south on him. I think in the right role he could still help you a lot in the bullpen. Well, it's a little bit different team. Do you buy into what Brian Price has talked about, and that is to handle the uh, late innings in the manner, the three-headed manner in which he's talked about? Well, you got to get the third guy to start with. 
And that was where we discussed Feliz and the idea about maybe him being a part of this whole thing. I don't think anybody, including Brian Prystad, really knows the answer to that question because quite honestly, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you were around during the days of the Big Red Machine where they did a lot of that, where you had guys like Bourbon or Clay Carroll throwing 100 innings in a season. But that hadn't been done in a long, long time. So I don't know how effective that's going to be. It could be great. It could be a situation where you're running guys in the ground. Right. I well, don't know. I, 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 I take a very dim view of what his approach is going to be. I don't know that it can work. Um, obviously, at least outwardly, he seems to be very committed to it. And I, But I think using the example of how effectively it can be as what happened in the postseason is the worst thing of all. Don't make that comparison because you're talking about short series with days off. Yep. Everything about that and Andrew Miller and all the rest of that Cleveland bullpen, that's not the kind of situation you're going to have once the bell rings. So if you're going to use an example – do me a favor and don't use that one because there, there is no means of comparison. No, you, right you couldn't do to Andrew Miller over the course of a regular season no what way. you did with him in the postseason last year. He wouldn't be able to he wouldn't be able to pitch for you once you hit June the fifteenth. That's correct. Seven four nine thirteen sixty is our number locally. If you want to give us a call and tell us what your wish list is as far as the Reds and how you might be able to improve them come the two thousand and seventeen season. Uh, we're just looking at the the spring training schedule. Uh, the Reds open on Friday, February 24th, which wow. is much easier than it normally is, and that's because of the World Baseball Classic. They open against the San Francisco Giants in Scottsdale. They have two off days in a spring training schedule that will end in Arizona on Wednesday, March the 29th. Then they play a futures game in Louisville on the final day of March, Friday the 31st, and then a Futures game in Dayton on the afternoon of Saturday, April 1, a workout on Sunday the 2nd, and then open the season against the Philadelphia Phillies on Monday the 3rd over here at Great American Ballpark. It's a very, very ambitious spring training schedule that will include two games in Las Vegas uh, in the middle of this, actually late in the schedule. And you pretty much touched on all the the questions that will have to be answered for this ball club uh, over the course of this very, very long spring training baseball season. Well, I, I still believe the most interesting part of this whole thing is going to see what happens with Cozart and Phillips. They have been very good players. In Phillips' case, has been a great player. Right. For this franchise for a long time. He's one of the best Reds that's ever played the game. No question. He has been a fabulous player. Yep. He's been great with the fans. Um, We know the situation last year where he didn't want to leave here, turned down the trades, maybe more than one. But the bottom line is when he took the field last year, he did what he's always done. He played his tail off. He gave you everything he had. He played hurt. And had had, a good year. And had a really good year. Really good year. We'll talk more about that. What do you do? We'll talk more about that as the program progresses. 749-1360. Any of you folks here at the Holy Grail Banks have a question or have a statement about what you would do to improve the club if you could do it, we welcome you, and uh, we'll continue with more. We're at the Holy Grail Banks. We are the Reds Hot Stove League, and we'll be back in a moment. Pete Rose Hit Collection, the Reds Hall of Fame and Museum's Pete Rose Hit Collection fundraising campaign features 
4,256 baseballs each signed by Pete and stamped with the official Pete Rose Hit Collection logo and that baseball's unique hit number. By purchasing a hit collection baseball, you become the owner of that hit and help support the Pete Rose Sculpture Project. Go to www.redsmuseum.org. And we go to the phone and we go out to Blue Ash. David, thanks for waiting. You're on the Red Hot Stove League. What's on your wish list? Well, good evening, gentlemen. I think for myself, you know, more so much than the players, I think I'd like to take a look at the staff that's working with the players. And I think, you know, I know that we got a lot of new coaches and, and bench staff last year. But things, it seems to me, of course, I'm an outsider looking in. But it sure seems like little things really made mistakes last year, you know, uh, coming in when they should have been going out on the ball and taking short hops maybe when they should have tightened up a little bit. Um, even the injury bug and maybe even taking a look at something like, you know, the training staff. And not that they're bad. I don't mean that. But maybe just a review of how they do things. Um, you know, maybe a Pilates or a yoga during spring training. I don't know, but it sure seems like the physical and the mental nature of the game for some of these kids last night were more of a problem than their skill set. Uh, so, so uh, I, let me uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're, you're basing your whole hope, or whether you care one way or the other, but you, you're basing your opinion as to whether or not. This club has a better year this year uh, coming up than they did in 2016 on better health. Is that what you're saying? Well, so, you know, let's take, uh, you know, let's take the catching situation. You know, we had an injury. Of course, again, the stretching and whatnot isn't going to really fix that. But it also, you know, it's a mental aspect of the game. You know, we know we're not going to go out and spend a lot of money this year. That part is clear. So if we're not going to go out and, and spend a lot of money and get, uh, you know, a vastly different caliber of player, then, you know, where are we with the, the players that we have? What, you know, mm-hmm. Do they have the right mental approach to the game? You know, did they come up from double A and they got starstruck by the big leagues? You know, um, do they have, you know, former Reds, you know, Joe Morgans of the world and whoever else is coming in and talking to these kids during spring training and, and giving them some insight into what it takes to play, you know, 167 games, that sort of thing. You know, I, I think I think that David brings up a lot of very interesting points. I, I know that 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 in multiple sports across the board, I know that that baseball, uh, football, they're all looking at it different ways. Is there a way, right, to prevent all these injuries? I mean, you look at what he referred to last year. Just at the guys the Reds were counting on going into last season, they were counting on Iglesias. They were counting on Michael Lorenzen. They were counting on Devin Mesoraco. They were counting on multiple players that missed huge amounts of time, if not basically the entire season last year. We knew Homer Bailey was coming back late, but once he came back, he was never really right. And I'm not suggesting for a second that they're not doing it the right way. That's not what I'm saying. It might have just been bad luck. I mean, Lorenzen came down with motto after he finally got right. healthy to pitch. Yeah, so, that's right. you know, that's bad luck. Yeah. But, but I think that everybody is looking at that part of athletics. And is there a way in this day and age, you know, you sit down with Chris Welsh, as we do frequently, and he'll tell you he thinks the biggest problem is guys are spending too much time in the weight room. I, you know, I, I know so little about that type of thing. I, he has a better feel for it than sure. I do. But all I can do is go back and make comparisons between today and the way things were done back in the 70s and 80s when I first came on the scene 
And you had far fewer injuries then than you have today. And there, I don't know whether it's a correlation, but you had far fewer guys lifting with the regularity that the guys of today do. Now, whether or not you can sell that to a player, that you got to do less to maintain your health, I don't know whether you can do that or not. Uh, and again, I underline what you said. We're not in any way saying what the Reds are doing is wrong. No. But I do think that they would be missing an opportunity if they didn't step back and take a very objective look at the way they go about preparing their players to begin a season and how they maintain that regimen to keep them healthy. I'm not saying they're doing anything wrong, but I'm saying you owe it to yourself when you've had as many problems as this club had last year keeping people on the field just to take a look at it. And I know that Dick Williams is doing that. We had our meeting with him over um, across the way a couple of weeks ago. I know that's something they brought in more and more people, full-time staff members, to examine the sports science part of all of this as it relates to injuries and trying to prevent further injuries. We've got a question. This gentleman's been very, very, not yet. You get your game face on. Is that correct? All right, well, go yeah, ahead. Yeah, Give we're it a shot. We're ready for you. Yeah. All right. Marty, Tom, uh, pleasure to talk to you both. Thank you. Question about uh, Billy Hamilton. Heard trade rumors uh, earlier in the year about trading him. Would you trade him and then put Peraza in center field? Uh, Dilson Herrera, obviously we got him from the Mets last year in the Bruce trade. Move him to second base, acquire some other prospects. I tell you, I mean, I, Dad, I know you'll follow this up, I know. i, I got to tell you, and we've talked about this before, I don't care what team you run, there are very few, if any, for me, untouchable players in this world. If all of a sudden somebody knocks on your door or calls on the phone and says, we'll give you this, 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 and this for that one guy, well, you know, okay. But i got to tell you, I... I thought Billy Hamilton made such significant strides last year as a player. I would hate to see the organization put all this time into Billy Hamilton and developing to the point where we saw him finally last year and then to have him go away. Of all the players on this ball club, if there is an untouchable, he would be the guy for me. Now, again, echoing some of the things that Tom said, if, say, the New York Mets – who are looking for a center fielder, came to me and said, we'll give you Zach Wheeler and we'll give you this guy and we'll give you that guy for Billy Hamilton, they would have to bowl me over. And at that point, I would give serious thought to trading him. But they, would, who they meaning anybody who had any interest in him, would really have to cross my eyes in order for me to say, Let's talk seriously about making Billy Hamilton a member of your ball club. Mm-hmm. I trade Joey Votto. I trade anybody else in that ball club before I trade him, unless somebody just peel me over with the offer that they made. Very good point. And the Mets are a team that might feel that way. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we're at the bottom of the hour. We welcome again. Thank you for the question. A great question about yeah. Billy Hamilton and anybody else who might have something on their mind. If you're listening, 749-1360, dial us up. And we'll chat with you on the Reds Hot Stove League on Christmas week. Stay with us. And with a big house here at the Holy Grail Banks, we welcome you back to this Tuesday night edition of the Reds Hot Stove League. 
The 2017 Holiday Gift Packs are still on sale for a limited time at www.reds.com slash holiday with two-day shipping available through December the 21st and also available at the Kenwood Town Center and Florence Mall through Christmas. So if you're looking for some last-minute Christmas shopping gifts for a baseball fan, that would be certainly one to consider. We go back to the phones in Dayton, Ohio. Aaron, are you waiting? Is that you? Yes, yes, sir. Very good. What's on your mind? Hello, Aaron. Hey, how you guys doing tonight? Good. Merry Christmas to you. Good. Now, I just a quick question. I know Brandon Phillips had, had denied the, the trades or, or whatever last year. And I, I was just curious, what if this Reds team really takes off in, in the early parts of the season? And they're in contention. What do we do with, with, with all of our bat, with the backup, second baseman? What kind of trade value would those guys pull in? Since I assume Brandon probably wouldn't go anywhere after that. Well, we'll see. I, I got to tell you, you know, if there's every year for me, and I'm a team that's very close in knocking on the door. Now, last year, Brandon was looking, Dad, for an extension on his contract. Apparently, he's already said he's not looking for that this time around if something were to be proposed to him that he would consider unlike last year. If I'm a team that feels like it's a second baseman away from, you know, or a bat or a defender, whatever it might be, this would be the year you try and go get Brandon and go get him at the start of the year so you have him for a full year. I agree with that, but based on uh, what transpired at the winter meetings and uh, the things that you hear on the Internet or read on Twitter, uh, there is right now no market for Brandon Phillips. I think Brandon Phillips made a serious mistake in the decisions that he made last year um, because if there's no market for him, I really believe that the only way Brandon Phillips is going to keep his position is to go out from day one and play at the same level in 2017 that he played in 2016. And if he doesn't, then I, it's certainly not beyond the realm of probability if he's considered to be ready up here that Dilson Herrera would be installed at second base and he'd be at second base to play every day. Okay. Well, hey, I appreciate it. I enjoy the show, fellas. All right, pal. All Thank right. you, Aaron. I don't know. I, I just think the Reds are, would have a very hard time. And, and, and I believe they believe in their heart of hearts that they would be prepared to have that conversation with Brandon Phillips before spring training started. I'm not so sure that conversation has not taken place already. Okay, but, but, but it's one thing to talk about it. As you know, it's another thing to do it. I and, don't. And this guy's been such a good player for you for a long hey. time. If he's still on your roster, I have a hard time believing, based on what he did on the field last year, Right. I have a hard time believing that he would not be playing regularly. As good as he was last year, this team lost 94 games. Yep, they did. So, uh, as far as I'm concerned, business is business is business. And if Dilson Herrera is your future and Brandon Phillips is in June or July of the last year he's ever going to play for this club, I would pull the plug right now. So you do the same thing then for Cozart with Peraza? Well, I think Cozart will be traded. Uh, but I don't think they can trade him until we are well into spring training and anybody in baseball that might have an interest in him has to see that he is 100% healthy with it, no problem with that knee, and then I think that they would be more than ready to make a deal for him. 
Yes, sir. This is a baseball guru right here. That's now. exactly right. This is a man who's got it all together. He's going to take your job when you step down about 11 years from now. Uh, you better get ready soon. Go ahead. Um, I know there have been some trade talks involving Dan Straley. If the Reds were to trade him, do you think Hibbert Bailey can fill that veteran starter on the rotation? See, now, Straley's another guy. I mean, look, he has bounced around. It all came together for him last year. Good for the Reds, good for Dan Straley. No question. But, again, somebody comes along and says to you, we're going to give you something really good for a guy who may have finally found it last year. Yeah. You're going to make that deal. Correct. Having said that, it's got to be really good for me because with all the questions about this starting rotation and the health of some guys and that kind of thing, Dan Straley pitched – by far, he was your most consistent starter last year, and you're getting him money-wise for next to nothing. I mean, you pay him the same amount or a little bit more, not a lot more, the same amount you would pay for one of these young guys you're going to inject into the starting rotation. And he's still a relatively young man. I mean, Dan Straley's got to be part of the rotation again unless somebody blows your doors off, don't you think? Yeah, yeah but here's the thing, and, and, and it's, it's, it'll be true this spring. Like it's been true every spring of every year in which Major League Baseball has been played. You are going to get two weeks into spring training or three weeks into spring training, and all of a sudden you've got teams out there that, one, either overestimated the value of the players that they had, or two, have a player, if he's a pitcher, that blows his arm out, yep. and all of a sudden they're scrambling to make a deal. Now, if that happens, now you're in the driver's seat there. And then you've got a chance to make a good deal. And if the deal's good enough, you trade Dan Straley. You trade anybody on this club. I'm, I'm often, uh, I, I laugh when people say, oh, you can't trade this player. You can't trade that player. The hell you can't. You can trade any of them. When you've lost 94 games, you can't fall in love with anybody on that roster. Um, that I, I, I see all these politically correct comments made by Dick Williams and everybody else. Oh, you know, Joey Votto's a very important bingo on that. Would you trade him? And if, you, if you're honest with yourself, you'd say, you bet I would. If I can get somebody to take a big chunk of that money that we still owe him, uh, you would trade him in a New York minute. And I, anybody that says anything differently is either lying or they are so out of realities that, that uh, they truly believe that they have to have him here to play every day in order to be successful. And the problem is with, with, with a lot of us, I'm guilty of this, you're guilty of this, the problem is is you make it too personal. You That's correct. You can't make it too that personal. Is, that you just did that with Brandon Phillips. No, and no, I'm, no. I'm not doing no, it. No, I'm not doing it. I'm saying I think they would still have a hard time if he's on your roster. If he's on your roster, to sit him down and be a part of the team. That's well, all I'm saying. That's a personal thing. I mean, even though if they come to you and say, hey, Dilson Herrera is ready to play every day. Well, I can't do that because Brandon Phillips is here. And, you know, he's had such a great career. We can't get rid of him. That's a bunch of crap. That ain't happening. We got Eric from Cheviot on the line, and we will get to you, my friend. Hang with us when we come back in a moment. You're listening to the Reds Hot Stove League. We are, as usual, at the Holy Grail Banks, and we're talking some serious inside baseball tonight with a matter of days still remaining in a very forgettable 2016 baseball season and the hope that 2017 will be better. i got to tell you, the one guy I think is going to really emerge on the scene this coming year 
is Amir Garrett. I keep hearing the word, and it's a word I love, and a lot of guys use the word, but you know it when you see it, and that is competitor. Right. We heard that word so much in reference to Brandon Finnegan this year, and there was a difference in the way watching him compete. You're right. Than a lot of other, because let's face it, this time last year, I would bet you 95% of the people in the Reds organization, they may not admit it, but I'll bet you 95%, if not higher than that, felt they would give him a chance in the starting rotation. And he would He fail. would pitch his way out of it. Right. And end up in a bullpen where he was so good with Kansas City the year they won the World Series. And absolutely and exactly the opposite. he competed all year. That's right. Never wilted, never backed down, never shut it down. Got better and better. Yes. And that's a word I hear all the time about Amir Garrett. Well, I can tell you, Amir Garrett was on my caravan leg last uh, January and... He's a quality kid. Uh, quite honestly, I was shocked that he wasn't brought up in September last year to get give two or three starts because I think at this stage, having had success at two levels last year at Pensacola and then in Louisville, that he is really on about as fast a track as you can be on. And this is a kid that played collegiately in basketball at the Division One level with St. John, played baseball, uh, and he is every bit of the competitor in probably a little bit quieter way yes. than Brandon Finnegan. Yes. Uh, he's not as emotional on the mound, but this young man has got a chance to really be something. No I, I just have that. a feeling, you know, the, these other guys, you know, put Cody Reed in his category because he's only up for a little while. Right. But, like, if you're going into spring training and what we've seen, unless something dramatically changes with a guy like Stevenson who's still young enough where I'm not going to throw in the towel on him. Yeah. But I'm going to tell you what, I mean – Garrett walks in the door, and he's ready to roll. I'm not worried about hurting feelings. I agree. And, and keeping a guy who is a little lower down the totem pole just based on your hierarchy inside the organization because he has been climbing rapidly. Yep. Let's go to Cheviot. Eric, thanks for waiting. You're on the hot stove league. What's up? Um, so, real quick, one frustration or something I'd like to see is the Reds bring in someone who can teach this team how to punt. Um, you know, you see teams – all the time who are in contention at the end of the year and, you know, those timely at-bats might come up and they need to move somebody over um, or, you know, and the, you know, other teams can kind of run that squeeze play at the end of the game to, to steal something. Um, you know, that's one of the biggest frustrations for me. And then you don't even have to really think about trading Billy Hamilton. I'll hang up and listen. You, you know, the thing that's interesting to me and Dad, I never saw the final numbers on last year, but when you really started getting into some of the sabermetric stuff, two years ago, just watching the Reds play, I believed that they were not a good bunting team. But when you go back and compare them that year, two years ago, to the other teams in baseball, they were the second most successful, efficient bunting team in the National League. Now, I don't know what they were last year. Did you feel like they were a bad bunting team last year? I didn't think they were very good. Okay. All right. And I could be wrong, but I, I, and I, I, and I hate to say this, but I am so schooled to the probability that they won't be a good bunting team over a period of years, not just two years ago, but over a period of years, that if they don't bunt well, then I don't get all bent out of shape like I used to. And I think it's all a part of developing a player. Yep. I mean, a draft is important. Uh, but once you draft players, and the, the key is to develop them in all aspects of the game so when they get to the big leagues, they're ready to, to do the job. And I laugh when people 
say, well, you know, you, it's, not, it's a lot harder than you think it is. I, I disagree with that, and I've talked to guys that were very good butters, and they will tell you almost without exception it's not a difficult thing to do at all. If the, if the technique is correct and, and everything is according to Hoyle and you go about it the way you should, that getting a bunt down when a situation dictates that you are able to do it is really not all that tough. Uh, we're heading toward the final 10 minutes or less than that, really. If you're listening and you've got a comment you want to make, 749-1360. Again, we open it one more time. I think everybody's stage struck here. All you got to do is come over here, and, hit, and my man Mike Mills will stick that microphone in the front of your face, and you can do what we all do well, some better than others, and that's talk. We'll continue with more in just a moment. I'm Marty Brenneman, he's Tom Brenneman, and we are heading toward the final few minutes of this pre-Christmas Hot Stove League program. We appreciate those who have contributed, talking about uh, what they'd like to see occur uh, once this team gathers in good year in February and begin another spring training and another baseball season. Well, I think we're going to have a lot to talk about once we rev everything back up following the uh, the holidays here on the Reds Hot Stove League of, of, of what the team is doing. I still think they're going to be very busy and active once everybody sort of reconvenes around the country and in baseball circles and teams trying to figure out what they're doing. You know, the team that I've just been stunned by is, is the Miami Marlins. Yeah. You know, they felt like last year they had a legitimate chance. They had some devastating injuries. We know about the, the terrible death of Jose Fernandez, but... You know, they felt like through all they had happened to them last year, the injury to Giancarlo Stanton, I mean, they're going out and spending some cash now and bringing in a bullpen that they think would be able to match up with anybody in that division, and that's a tough division to win. Yeah, I heard Brad Ziegler on MLB radio yesterday talking about going there and and how he's gone there with the understanding that he'll not be the closer. Uh, The Ramos kid who did such a great job for him. Uh, obviously, to have a guy like Ziegler in the event that something happens to the back end of your bullpen, you can plug it in. But their priority was to improve their bullpen. Mm-hmm. And I don't think there can be much question uh, that they've done that. And we mentioned earlier about the New York Mets, that they are really looking to, uh, to trade for a center fielder. And apparently, they're of a mind now that they are willing to trade Curtis Granderson and the kid Michael Conforti in order to try and come up with somebody who can play center field in a very, very big center field in that ballpark in New York. And I tell you, I, I think the Conforti kid, when we saw him early last year, if you remember, they were talking about him winning a batting they title. Did. And I mean the season completely fell apart. He wound up in the minor leagues. He might be a guy, if you're a team out there looking to no roll the dice on a player, he might be a guy worth taking. And I tell you, you know, if you got to take Granderson along with him, if they're going to help pay for some of the money, if you're trying to bridge a gap to get to somebody else, that guy's a gamer. He's had a great career. Meanwhile, where is Edwin Encarnacion going? I don't know, but he's going somewhere. Can he can mash? He can mash, but I tell you what, he and, and Jose Bautista are two guys that may have to come down on the kind of money that they, they thought will. they were going to get. They will, because it's still a mighty good paycheck, even if you're coming down a little bit. Well, you know I'm what sure, I mean? But- you know, some of these guys feel like it's prideful. They wanted so much money, and they got to settle for so much less. Uh, but I'll tell you one thing. If I had to choose between Encarnacion and Bautista, Edwin is as good a power hitter as there is in the game today. 34 years old, and he will give you 
35 to 45 home runs and knock in well over 100 runs. And play every day. Yeah, yeah. Very, very solid player. No doubt about it. Well, we, uh, we're out of time. When you're having fun, time flies. We would wish for all of you folks here a very, very Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And gear up and be back with us right here, same time, same place, next Tuesday night, when then you'll be gearing up for the New Year's weekend. All you young folks will be ready to rock and roll. All the old folks like me are ready to go to bed early. Well, you won't be going to bed New Year's Eve early because the mighty Buckeyes are going to lay it on for Clemson Tigers. Have a great Christmas, everybody. We'll see you next time. Thanks. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.